0: Listening, Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter, the rugby podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Welcome to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Today we'll be talking about the feud, with the salary cap, and are the players going to go on strike with rugby up and coming? apparently starting on August the 15th. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Nick, it's great to uh, great to see you... Uh, Munching away. Munching away. So for those of you who are listening won't see it or you might hear it, but those on YouTube will notice that Nick's uh, a little bit hungry um, and I'm guessing he's trained this morning, just like I have already. Um, but so, so Nick, how have you been? Another week in lockdown, you look like you... Um, I don't know. Is uh, you? You look pretty bored, actually. You look. Mate, messy. I haven't. Um, I tell you what I haven't done is I should have done is I,
1: I. got the clippers off my mate, who I used to uh, cut my hair the first time, and I just haven't haven't bothered taking them to my hair at the moment. I'm, I think uh, I know the shops are open today, aren't they? But I don't think hairdressers are open. I'm, I think I'm just going to wait it out. Yeah. Until my local barbers are open, and uh, I can get my hair cut.
0: Oh, what about the shops opening now? My missus is so excited. She's just she's going to go everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, they they, they I do I, it online anyway now. I know that's true. But listen, it's. it's I think for, for for most people, it's actually it, the art of shopping is that the, the buzz is actually going to the shops and just shopping, not just looking on the internet and ordering. Um, but I did remind her. Listen, be be careful. We ain't got any money. I've had no gigs. I've had no income. So, uh, so well, yeah, mate, she won't be able to buy anything because. Um, it's, all, it's going to change, isn't it, getting serious for a moment.
1: For example, um, I was speaking to someone who, um, who works in the Southside Centre, which is in Wandsworth, and, and they were talking about Waterstones bookshelf. And they said, as soon as someone touches a book, to flick oh, yeah. through it, let's be honest, you touch anything, clothes, you, you're, not, you're not allowed to try and clothes or anything like that. As soon as you touch a book and they've got trolleys dotted around Waterstones, you're going to have to put the book in the trolley because no one else can touch it now. Right. And so they're literally just gonna, and it and it has to be put away. I think for, I think she said three days or something. Or it might have been something different. But uh, so you know what you're like in a books when you go to a bookshelf, you're always flicking through, aren't you? You know, you'll no. be looking at the you'll be looking at the pictures or whatever. But no, exactly. Book, I'm on the colouring the, stru- the structure of the uh, the sentences and all that sort of stuff. But uh, as soon as you touch something, mate, it's got to be put away, and you go to the next one. So actually, I just think you're gonna eventually, mate. You're gonna have no stock by the time you sell something. I just think people are just.
0: Away. I think people are just going to ignore these social distancing. I don't know what you found, but now we're out of lockdown and we're in and out of you know being able to go to parks and stuff. I mean, it's, everyone, everyone's just ignoring it. Really, I mean, just. I mean, have you seen these? Um, you know, that these crowds coming together, Black Lives Matter, you know, it's important that they want to demonstrate, but they're all like within an inch of each other. So it's just it's just bizarre how well, something. yeah, and I then really you get and then you get some, very second wave brought on by that. Yeah. Exactly. And then you get some people who are really diligent because they've got the gloves on, they've got the hats on, they've got the you know, they've got the mask on and wherever they go, it, you know, like move move out of my way so uh, at least the etiquette's got a bit better I don't know whether you thought but some people are running past now they're actually saying thank you I, 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 and people are moving out of the way quite nicely so maybe people are learning on the way but listen this week's uh, an important week and it just reminded me of the times when I was with England when we were we were asked to go on strike and and it sounds like with the RPA and with the Premier Rugby Uh, there's a bit of a standoff with Damien Hoppley, the RPA, uh, managing director, and come out with a very damning statement. Reading between the lines, it does sound like the premier rugby teams have literally railroaded this idea of a 25% pay-up that was temporary now becoming permanent. Now, it just seems bizarre that there's two parties in this. There's the players and then there's the clubs. And the clubs think they can just decide, unanimously decide that that's going to happen without mediation, without lawyers getting involved. And they're forgetting that the players have got contracts. So I just find it just bizarre that they could do that and say that because they're really stoking the fire with the players because, You've seen what Alex Genge has said in the past about they felt railroaded into these 25% pay cuts. Now the question is, and I think that all the clubs are acting very differently. I hear up at sale, they're saying to players, if you don't sign this contract, we're going to let you go. Some people like at Bristol are a bit more uh, amenable to the whole thing. and And then other clubs are literally saying, right, we're going to have to get rid of half of you. It's all random and it's all, it's terrible what's happening out there. But, the question is: Is do the RPA do the players actually have a, a leg to stand on when there's no people able to watch them in the crowds? That's I the don't. Question. I don't think it's
1: where they have a leg to stand on to try and demand full payment of contract. Because I think you know that that, that would be crash, crash. Sorry, and uh, extremely myopic view of the state of the game and how it's going to recover properly. Yeah. Um, I think it's more the fact that there's been no transparency or mediation or attempt to do it. This is just what we're hearing. We have no idea. I, I yeah. understand, you know, they came in with a nine-point statement, didn't they, or something, or release on Friday, was it? can't remember. Thursday, yeah. Friday. And I think one of them, they said uh, that originally in a meeting in April, they categorically, there was a vote. You know, they voted against um, salary reduction. And I think it was the first time it was probably mooted um, between PRL And and the RPA. But since then, you know, in their statements, it seems to be that uh, there has been no dialogue. The clubs have decided to come together um, like a little cartel and said, right, we're going to have 25% salary reduction across the board. That's going to obviously affect the player. Um, And you're going to have new contracts by the 18th of June. You've got to sign them. And, you know, I understand, obviously, you know, talking to a lot of players and people around that a lot of clubs were having one-on-one meetings and having meetings with players last week. And some of them were trying to negotiate um, a salary reduction by offering an extension of contract, which, you know, is perfectly fine. And it seems quite a smart way to sort of, you know, if you're worried about, obviously, you've got a short period of time, haven't you, in the game, which is what the players will... You know, be concerned about if you take away 25%, yeah, that's a big chunk of money in terms of looking up, you know, for how long is this going to go on for. But if you give them the security of signing on for another two years, then at least that's a bit of peace of mind to sort of soften the blow. But, um, yeah, mm. it, I mean, it just seems so amateurish, Brax, And I'm just fed up with it now. Like, I think everyone is that rugby get, rugby seems to be doing pretty well and okay. And then it gets itself in the paper when it comes back to the same thing. You know, the club B country route or the club B players route, route and premier, premiership rugby always seem to be at the centre of it. Whether it was a salary cap um, uh, debacle earlier on in the season and the investigation, the Lord Miner's report, and he really hammered, you know, the poor governance of the entire operation there and body. And now this. And look, the RPA, you know, you know, I'm not saying that they've been picture perfect and all of this. Ellis Genge has voiced his frustrations amongst many other players. I was frustrated with them personally as a player as well, that, you know, they seem to be served by two masters that were mainly funding them. So they never really properly went into bat for you. Um, But it seems this time they've decided that they have to, and maybe they were pushed to make this statement due to Ellis Genge wanting to start a a rival union, players union. I know, I'm sort of Mm. going away from the major point you're talking about, but uh Maybe that sort of forced their hand, and they've gone right. We're going to fight you tooth and nail. And I think there's been threats that they might pull their money. Uh, Premier Rugby <laughs> yeah. might pull their money, and and that you know that's just you know that, that, that they're obviously trying to blackmail them there or whatever. That's it catastrophic. Might be. I mean, it, it just uh, and, seemed, and yeah. it's just a complete mess, brats. This is you know rugby is a complete mess at the moment. Too many bodies, too many stakeholders, too many people not wanting to give up their piece of pie. We've said it a million times before, and all this goes to serve uh, show is. It is exactly like that. It hasn't
0: changed. It hasn't changed, and it, it's not fit for purpose. I mean, the, the PRL unfortunately have to manage. I suppose the egos of the of the thirteen clubs who who are, who, are, who are shareholders, and the problem is they've all got such. They're all very wealthy people who own these clubs, and they've made their money, and they, to some extent, think they know best. It's very interesting to see um, the Bristol Lansdowne owner, where he's he's sort of. Soften his outlook on the salary cap. I mean, a few weeks ago he was saying he was saying that we should keep the salary cap. We should should keep the marquee players. And have you quite rightly noted earlier that um, in our chat you were saying that actually his his fund has gone down quite a lot. So now he's in favour of it. So how things change so quickly. But but again, when I was playing and to some extent when you were playing, it was the same old amateur arguments between the same old stuff and actually uh, it's there's so many egos out there with the clubs and with the rfu and and with the players and the players are in the middle of it and what the players going to do well the problem is you know they're on sand at the moment because they can't really fight back and demand their salary the salaries that they have now stay all they can do is negotiate and i think what the rpa were trying to do is saying well let's just get someone independent in to review this. And the Premier Club said no to that. And I think that is, I think that's disgusting. I think that's so against fair play, so against the values of rugby, at least what the club should have done is got somebody an in independent and, and and stated their claim and said to the independent guy, whether it's Lord Minor, whoever else, and said, listen, we ain't got any people coming to watch us. The Sky money's now, or the BT money looks like it's going to be a lot less We've got problems, we can't pay the players, we're all going bankrupt. Let's have a sensible conversation with the players. It's not 25%, it's more like 40%. And then you come up with, you know, I don't even think actually 25% is enough of a pay cut. If you can't get people in the stands, hmm. I don't think it's actually enough because how long can you sustain paying players just on TV TV money? I'm not sure you can. So it is a mess, but it's typical of, of rugby, which is for years. Everyone fighting over access to the players, access to money, sharing a bit of pie. And no one's going to share, are they? No one's going to share. And and the question is, my question to you is, do you think the players have got the balls now to actually go on strike? And I say that because we went on strike with England many, many years ago when we were demanding more money, which is why you got paid more money, Nick, when you played for England than when we got paid. I think we were getting paid three or four grand a match. You, You were getting i know, I know the, the latest England players get 26 grand so that those was about
1: of, was it wasn't it about image rights mainly though
0: holy well it wasn't it was, was just like, about you know it was a it was the professional value about the values of the player yeah it was it was more to do with the the, the, the sort of like player engagement for the match and then suddenly you do all of this stuff you know say nike is sponsoring there's millions coming in but it was getting dispersed it wasn't going to any of the players so we said well look you know, you're getting all these bonuses. It should be shared evenly to some extent with the image rights, but, but actually, yeah, we just put a foot down and said we want, we want more money. And, but we did it from a position of strength. And the question is, is now, and I'll tell you a funny story about going on strike. It's interesting because that's going to, it's going to come to that, isn't it? The RPA, I think are going to, because of the Ellis Genge camp idea, I think they're going to sort of advise their players that your options are X, Y, and Z, but possibly a stance would be to strike. It'll be interesting to see when the clubs vote on whether they're going to do that, the players vote whether they're going to do that. But we had a, I remember Martin Johnson standing up. We got given a form and he handed a form out and he said, okay, if you want to strike, put X down. If you don't want to strike, put a circle down or something like that. And every and, and Mark Regan had his thing, and he was sitting there and he was looking across and he was going, "I'm a bit confused. What do, do I put a tick or an X or what?" It was so funny. But I tell you what, we we actually voted to strike, and we did say, "I that, heard, I
1: heard that strike." I remember I was in South. Was 2000, wasn't it? I was in South yeah, Africa. It was yeah. Autumn. I heard that. Um, Everyone voted to strike apart from one. I can't remember his name, I think he was a London Irish. Is it Rob Hardwick? Rob
0: Hardwick yes. he's never, got, he's yes. never got
1: a cap. So, Clive, no. Clive yes. said, that's If you brilliant. strike, you will not play Bring this weekend against whoever yes. you are playing. That's
0: right. That's and right. He, he
1: chose not to strike because he was desperate to get a cap. But everyone yes. else, struck. But yes, he <laughs> that's,
0: was. that's what I heard. <laughs> Oh, if that's one way of getting a cap, isn't it? I do remember that. But it was... Yeah, I it, did you, work Brooks, it. it did work for him, though, did it? Yeah, actually, no. It got resolved. It did, it did, but Clive Woodward, though, you're right. He did say to us, he stood in the room and he said he was so annoyed. Now, bearing in mind, Clive Woodward's probably on, I don't know, half a million quid a year. He yeah, says, yeah. Easy for him to know, yeah. It's disgraceful. You yeah. lot striking over money. and dead. And if you do that, none of you will play. I'll never pick you again. And as he walked out, Martin Johnson just went, Oh well, bollocks to that! Uh, I think he's talking shite. There, it's all right. Yeah, and he was he was so good. But you're right, Rob Hardwick. I do remember now. Uh, but it was funny watching uh, Mark Regan. He's sort of like it's like in the school exam, and he was going, "Yeah, what are you doing? What are you are you straighten? Oh, I don't know what to do. Strike!" It was so funny. But uh, we unanimously decided. But I think it might come to that because I think the players the Players' representatives at each of the club are going to come together, they're going to talk about it, and I think it's the underhand way that it's sort of been dealt with the way the clubs are dealing with it. And I think, I think yeah, they basically made, they've completely disrespected the players, and they just yeah, thought they're going to they go have. along with it. And,
1: and you know, the, play, the players want their voice, um, you know, that they've been suffering just as much as anyone, you know, in the, rug, in the rugby sort of business world, uh, during this COVID, um, epidemic and or pandemic, but. I tell you, it really is a damning indictment on how poorly the game is run at the moment and how it needs to change that, you know, throughout a crisis, a global crisis like this, you need people to work together. You need people to, you know, know, give a little bit, um, you know, give a little bit back, you know, obviously pull, you know, from their agenda as well. And still no one seems to be doing it. Then you get, as I say, it seems to be quite sort of... um, Dictatorial from from the clubs, isn't yeah, they're quite autocratic. This is what's happening. Yeah. You've got 18th of June, and you know they're basically yeah holding him to ransom. Basically, you're not going to get paid any money unless you sign this new contract on the 18th of June, reducing your contract. Because the thing is, the clubs know legally they have to pay out the contract. So if you've got two years left on X amount, they have to pay that. You know, what, what, they have to pay that out. Now it could, you know, not benefit the player because how many other teams will want to sign that player on that amount of money because they might not have the money or, you know, will that give that player a bad name, what is the reputation? So they want them to sign a new contract so legally now they are not bound to pay them by the old contract. But you hear all sorts of stories, mate, like, um, you know, clubs saying, right, we'll, we'll, we'll sell the club so we don't have to pay you and then we'll buy it back and all that sort of stuff. And Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's not healthy. I mean, look, some clubs have behaved very well in this and some haven't. And I think uh, You know, what what we need from this is we need sensible people around the table. We certainly need independent voices. Have Mm -hmm. to have that. Um, And they need to thrash out something because ultimately, mate, if the game, if the premiership is meant to start on the 15th of August and a lot of the teams went back last week, some are going back this week, because of, you know, they need to get conditioned from an injury perspective and, you know, rugby (laughs) sort of battle-hardened perspective and the liabilities that come from that side. Um, And obviously the build-up into the contact areas of rugby is if you go on strike and miss a week
0: or two weeks you're just setting it back even further um, the morale the morale amongst the players must be so low never mind the covid they're all desperate to get back playing but but you know to have the thought of your contract 25% more if not more i mean i like your you know the idea that at some of the clubs they're offering extensions which is quite nice but I think the problem is there is no independent voice and you're right in a way Ellis Games is right with the RPA They their paymaster there's a conflict of interest isn't there with the England and the PRL what the answer is, is there is no immediate answer the, the main problem is you, you do have 13 egos don't you within the premiership and they're going to do and say what they want and I just think the players have to stand firm together but understand that actually, it, the likelihood is everyone needs to take a pay cut and everyone needs to be sensible. But the clubs have got to play game. They've just got to play ball, haven't they? Because if they don't, they've they just got they've got to get around the table. They've got to put yeah. their
1: ego and their petulance and their pettiness. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's like it's like some sort of. School, school schoolyard sort of a standoff, isn't it? Really, it really is childish, in my opinion, that they can't act like grown-ups and be reasonable to one another. And then, of course, things are going to get heated, and you know that there's going to be tough negotiations coming. But that's later down the line. I suppose we'll have to. I suppose we'll have to watch this space. But uh, anyway, mate, moving on.
0: Great, great great to have some rugby on the TV. Did you watch? Positive, yeah, yeah.
1: Rugby's back. Crowds are back. Beers back. Cheerings back. Huggings back. But
0: uh, in New Zealand. (laughs) Only in New Zealand. That's the place to be. If you're ever going to go anywhere right at the moment, it's to New Zealand. I mean, I'm looking to, I wanted to go to Ireland and I was thinking, well, if I come back, I've got a quarantine and everything. But in New Zealand, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, the rugby's back on there, so that was great to watch. But the, the stadiums are full and everyone's going mad. And the great story with, um, Warren Gatland's son, is it Bryn Gatland, gets the drop goal in the last minute. And then there was that story with uh, Bowden Barrett. I don't know whether you saw where he got manhandled by his old teammates in the corner, which is quite interesting. But before before
1: that, mate, just talking about the crowds, I think it's great. It's a big boon
0: for New Zealand rugby
1: because the crowds have been dwindling massively in in super rugby throughout the, 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 the different nations. Yeah. And I, I think I heard when I was watching the Auckland or the Blues um, Hurricanes game, the one with Bowden Barrett you just spoke about, they said that's the biggest crowd at Eden Park since 2005 for a, for a club really? game. For a Super wow. Rugby game. Wow. Biggest crowd. So, so I think that is brilliant that uh, you know the Kiwi public, as much as you think they're rugby lovers and they are, they still prefer on a rainy night to watch it in a bar and save their money at, uh, for the tinnies, as they call it. Um, but yeah. they got out in force and also mate, I know it was on at four 15 and recorded it and watched it later, but you know, because of TV and everything, they were like, sob that we're playing a sort of regular 3. PM kickoff in New Zealand, which you don't see very often. Obviously we see a lot over here, but, uh, cause the powers that be are in the North, that, uh, all the New Zealand games that you've seen before have been a sort of eight in the morning, you know, nine in the morning due to obviously TV in the Northern hemisphere. But, uh, Playing in the daytime over there as well was something new, but mate, I thought they were. I what? thought, I thought the whole experience was brilliant. I thought they were brilliant games. They yeah, they're fast. good. They were fast. They were, fast. They were intense. But, yes, there was a lot of errors. There's a bit of rustiness there, but there was tries. The a um, lot of penalties.
0: A lot of penalties, though. Yeah, I mean, that's mate. One but, but
1: listen, mate. I, I think that was positive. I didn't have a problem with. It. I didn't have a problem. Now you you will will obviously debate this in a minute. I didn't I didn't have an issue with it. Um. But I just thought it was—I thought it was great, mate. I thought um, the skill level on show, the power on show, some of those blues backs, my god, sensational. Yeah, um, yeah and this, both and Barrett really had quite, quite a quiet game compared to a lot of them finding his feet. Um, and highly competitive, full-blown—you know—game uh, of rugby. You know, it's fu- it's of- funny.
0: It's funny you have a pandemic like this, and what comes out of it is proof that actually another another model might work, and maybe that's something. You know, maybe maybe Australia, South Africa, maybe they will think again about what what will work. But from the rugby perspective, I was quite amazed at the skill level being so high. But I have to say, uh, I was a bit sort of frustrated at the amount. Of, I think one of the games, thirty penalties, it was something crazy. No, I, think, I think both
1: had both had thirty or roughly that.
0: Amount. Oh, was it okay? So, but but a lot of them were uh, penalties at the breakdown, and the commentator commentator kept saying. This has nothing to do with COVID. This is about uh, we want to we want to referee the breakdown better. I don't know what your understanding of it was, but there just seemed to be pretty much every breakdown. It was like holding on, wrong side, move away. Uh, and it broke the game up a little bit. What do you think? Uh, mate, it's the
1: way of the game's future. This is what the referees, Bryce Lawrence, who's in charge of referees over there, has said this is what we want to look at yeah. in terms of improving the game. And I was all for it. You don't blame the referees. I thought the referees actually, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Southern Hemisphere referees, but I thought they were terrific in both games. Um, And and they were correct on a lot of calls. And the the breakdown at the moment, and and I had a little sort of titter tat with Nick Evans on uh, Twitter, only a tiny one. But um, I think Mike Tindall said something about the penalties, Nick Evans said about penalties. And I said, it's bringing more balance to the defence. So if you just hear me out on this, the game at the moment, especially up here, now people might enjoy the 30 phases and you get into the 22 and it's pick and go and there's no rights for the defence. But actually, I find that boring. It's just inch by inch by inch, winning a collision, winning a collision. Uh, Whereas when you bring more rights to the defence and the breakdown's a contest, what's the best ball to attack from? Turnover ball. So by not being able to double roll, so basically the, the 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 ball carrier used to be able to buy himself some extra time, move the ball from the pilfer if you like, or the jackler, change the off side line as well, make it easier for his clear out guys to be able to get you know retain possession. They're not allowing that you've got to place the ball immediately so suddenly you place the ball immediately once you've been tackled. the rights are exactly the same for the guy clearing out the attacker, and the guy who wants to steal the ball. so you saw yeah. a lot of penalties for actually people getting their hands on the ball. And they're very accurate, the referees as well. If they weren't getting their hands on the ball they're on the floor, mm. they allowed the attack, the advantage. But uh, as soon as they got a pull, that was it, it was holding on. So suddenly as an attack, yeah. you've got to think again, do you offload off the floor? Do you move that ball a little bit more? Do you try and fight to stay on your feet a little bit more? The other thing is, coming in the side from the attack. Too mm. often, mate, the Kiwis were masters of it, subtle in the side to clear out. they have been red hot coming through the gate, bringing more balance back to the game and off sidelines <laughs> no. Offside no, lines are I, I, of being policed. And I have to ultimately, say I agree. Mate, ultimately, mate, the, the, the players have to adapt to it. It's up to the players to adapt. They're, they've all been in the rule book. Offsides have never been allowed. You've always sh- should have come through the gate. Okay. And you haven't been allowed to play the ball on the floor. So actually, that's yeah. even when I started the game, those rules were there. But they're now being refereed. And players, I think you'll see a very, very different approach and number of penalties this weekend.
0: Yeah, it's quite. Yeah, I mean, I was interested at the. I mean, one of the things I coach my kids at St Albans when we're playing is is as soon as you tackle, this fight to get yourself in a position to secure the ball for your team. So almost like a double movement. And I just noticed that any time any of the players try to do it, he just said penalty. Which actually, what you're saying is, you know, it's you know, it, the the laws of it have been there a long time. It's the way we interpret it and coach them and bend the rules to suit us. But actually, if you don't allow that, that will make you know, uh, I suppose the contest a lot more fair, won't it? Because people go in, they get tackled, they're still on the floor, they'll make two or three movements, and then they'll place the ball back. But actually, but, but the it, game, as I said, Brax, the game was becoming, especially up here, I just found is going, if you had possession,
1: you, you, it was like rugby league, you virtually kept possession until you sort of were going nowhere, the yeah. was when you kicked it away. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. much turnovers at the breakdown and competition for the ball. And ultimately, rugby is all about the contest possession, whether it be restart, line out, scrum, tackle, carry breakdown that's what the essence of the game is and on that particular rule about no double roll from the attack they're also even more hot on defenders rolling away to the side not rolling towards the scrum half like you would have come Mm. across many times it was a tactic okay Mm. roll away but bump bump the scrum half or bump one of the clear out guys so it, it creates more space for the defender they're red hot on that so they're evening up basically
0: the balance of the breakdown
1: Mm.
0: It'd be interesting, though. I mean, I, I, I'm with you on this. I, I find so, I know there's a lot more points scored in the Premiership, but I do find some of the Premiership rugby dull in the last year or two. I just do. I know more point people keep telling me, "Oh, but no, more tries are scored," but I find it to some extent a possession game, a kicking game. I just yeah. find some of it boring. But this is my personal thing. But just. Uh, just finally, just on the rugby though, if 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 it's, we're going to go back to rugby, where where do you think, who's going to win this year? I, I presume we're going to get to a playoff of some kind or what day, I don't know. Well, are you talking uh, about the Super of Rugby no, at all, No, no, I'm talking, talking about in a uh, premiership, in a premiership. It'd be, it'd be good to talk just quickly who we think is going to get to the final. We obviously know Exeter, Sale are doing well, the runners and, uh, you know, who do you think is going to actually win it this year? Think it's Exeter's year? Yeah,
1: I think, I think, um, look, I think Exeter Sale are
0: probably the two most
1: physical sides in terms of uh, their cattle and the way they play the game. And, you know, Bristol have been great in terms of their approach, love their approach and everything. I think, um, and they've got some dangerous players. I think next year might be their year with, you know, guys like Kyle Sinclair and Red Rada coming in there. I mean, yeah, that's some, you know, red hot talent there and match winners. Um, but I think, you know, the game, like the World Cup, ultimately is still decided by the most physical teams and the premiership's always been a physical league. Um, and I'm not saying that's a good thing as well, but Exeter and Sale, I think, are the two. Um, with, with, the, with the cattle to be able to perform like that. However, you know, when it, when it starts off in the summer months, mate, on the dry pitches, it, yeah. might, it might have less of an impact. But the Exeter have been there a number of times. They're scorned side as well. Um, they're a driven side. They've played in a lot of finals. Clearly, yeah. the Samson's, you know, cheating their way to a number of titles
0: as well. Oh um, come on, let it, motivated. let it, let it lie. Just let it lie. And
1: they've got, the, they've lie. got the experience, mate. They've got the squad, and you know. And the other thing is, mate,
0: they've actually been training. Um, who could threaten them? Who could threaten? I know, I know. You say Sale. Who, who were the next best? Would you say who? Got well, the I would say so, so, Bristol.
1: Sale, Bristol, Bristol. Um, ultimately, mate, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, it's a one-off game. Is it semi-final and the and final? But uh, yeah. uh, I would, I would, I would say those sides. I think Gloucester, Gloucester, Quins, Wasps, sort of a little bit hit and miss. At, you know before COVID, we don't know how they're going to come out of it. Uh, look, I tell you what, make a big difference. Brax is, is a lot of those teams were injured, hampered by injuries before COVID, and now everyone's had a chance to recover. You know, hopefully everyone's got their full squads. Is how they negotiate the nine games coming out of it because. You know they haven't played for a while. You know they're going to have to sort of rotate their players to keep their squads fit. Um, but my, yeah, my money's on Exeter,
0: mate. My money's on. Yeah, X2. I think I think you're right. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter on Friday. We were joined by John Barnes, and here's a little clip to wet your appetite.
1: People who are racially biased aren't people who wear pointy hoods and who are, you know, right-wing neo-Nazis who are white supremacists. They're you, they're ev- there's everybody. This is how we have been conditioned to think. Yeah. And until we all admit it, that this is how we feel, nothing will change. We'll just point the finger at racist football fans, racist people, and feel that we're doing patting ourselves on the back by saying it's them and not us. So, that's the mm-hmm. first thing. Let's get back to
0: proper stuff now. Liverpool winning the league. Rock with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The brand new rugby podcast. Thank you for listening to Rocket with me, Karen Bracken and Nick Easter. Uh, don't forget to listen to us on Friday with John Barnes, an in-depth interview with him. So listen, subscribe and review.